Hello, and welcome to the Out of Frame podcast. My name is Jackson. And I'm Lauren. In this podcast, we discuss the unheard perspectives of the film industry to learn about what it's like to work in the industry and how to get involved. Each episode, we'll interview professionals about their work experience and their tips for aspiring filmmakers. Let's get started. All right, so Jackson, why are we interviewing Kaylee today? Yeah, well, Kaylee, first off, is just an awesome person. Uh, It was amazing to get to speak with her, and you guys are going to love this episode coming up ahead. But a few of the reasons um, is just because Kaylee is a great professional. She's done a lot of wonderful works. She's an editor and a photographer. She has worked on films and shows like Man in the High Castle, Top Chef, and Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. She's also originally from here in Lincoln, so I thought that was just a really cool link. In the episode, you're going to see a little bit about like what the transition to go into Los Angeles and Hollywood life is like, as well as what it's like to join a union and all sorts of amazing kinds of things. So yeah, I think this is going to be a great episode. Awesome. I'm so excited to hear from her. Yeah, thank you so much again for, you know, joining us for this. Uh, it's really exciting to get to be able to talk to you. We were looking through a lot of your work and just getting to know um, a bit more about you online. Um, so it's even cooler to get to know you more kind of in person. But we would love uh, first off to just get a better understanding of what the beginning of your career looked like and like what opportunities you had and how those led to future opportunities. That's a great question. Well, I mean, as you know, I'm from Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, so I I grew up there and I actually, uh, when I was a teenager, my mom wanted to get me out of the house one in one one summer. And there was a, a week-long course, I believe it was through the university, but it, they taught you how to make um, films. You took a book and then you um, created a little trailer for it. Of course, I kind of copped out and did Lord of the Rings, which was already a movie, so I could take music from it and whatever. But our team made a, a fake trailer, which if you do some deep diving on YouTube, you could probably find that work that I made as a middle schooler. But um, I was always into filmmaking and, and um, tried to find the opportunities where uh, they were available. And um, so I went I, lucky, lucky enough, you know, a few feet from my house, there's the university. And I was able to go to school there on a partial scholarship. And um, I learned a lot. So luckily through the program I had at school, I was able to get an internship um, in my junior year of school or after my junior year of school. So before my senior year. And um, I interned at two places. Uh, One of them was for the actor Thomas Jane. And he was a lovely guy and also had so many antics, but he's an actor and he kind of just wanted me to edit. He gave me his phone at one point um, and I just took took videos from his phone and edited some little clips for him. And he said he was going to send them to HBO. And I, I don't think HBO ended up doing anything with them, but I got to edit a bunch of his behind the scenes videos from the show he was working on at the time called Hung. Um, and then I was also working on um, Extreme Makeover Home Edition which um, was a really popular show at one point and uh, was a good opportunity for me to start in the industry as an editor because I learned at the time Final Cut was all the rage. (laughs) The year I graduated, it died, sadly. 
but um, I learned Avid in school. And so this internship um, gave me more opportunities to learn it in a real world, world setting. And then when I came back to Hollywood a couple years later to start pursuing my actual career, I was able to leverage some connections I'd made in that internship and was able to get a, a, a job at Magical Elves, which was a, it still is a reality TV company. Then I then I kept going. Um, in my in my industry, it's really desirable to get union work. That's where the best jobs are. And so I knew right away that my goal was to get into the union. And luckily, having time spent time in reality television, I was able to get those days to get into the union, uh, working on eligible shows. And then I was able to move into the scripted TV and movie work that I went to school for and that I knew I wanted to start working on. And unfortunately, it's not like any other industry. You're a freelancer, but you're working for these, it, it, a lot of, I don't mean like not like any other industry, but it's not like what I expected coming from the Midwest where you'd work a nine to five job, right? You're a freelancer. And I don't think I fully grasped that until I'd been working for a long time because in my line of work, um, as I started as a post PA, and then I worked my way up to becoming an assistant editor. And now I'm an editor and I have been, um, editing, getting a, a full credit as an editor for about four years now. So all of that is just, I, I think, luckily, you know, you make mistakes along the way. Everyone does. I've been fired. People love me. People don't like me. But you find your people. And that's what's lovely about being a freelancer, too. Yeah, no, that that was great. And um, just to let you know, I really want to be like saying, yeah, and like, kind of giving you verbal affirmation, but I don't think it'll pick up what you're saying if we say anything. So just let okay. you know, I'm just doing the nod to kind of <laughs> let you know I'm hearing you. And yeah, that's Appreciate awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. You mentioned the working from project to project. I don't know how long maybe your longest project was, but like if you're doing a project for like, say two years, and then after that, you now have to find like a new project. What What's kind of the, I guess, what what does that feel like? What What is kind of the mental state of like, oh, I need to find more work? Or is that even like a worry? I, I don't know. I was just Yeah, that's exactly that. what you think, especially when you're starting out. You don't know anyone. And so you're like, oh, no, I don't, I, you know, this job is ending. What do I do? Now, when I started out, I was working at a reality TV company. Um, so they have multiple projects going on and they were able to shuttle me around to other projects. I knew that I wanted to work on features. And so... What for me, I didn't end up having a lot of downtime in between projects. I did once I wanted to make the jump because once you start out in Hollywood as a PA, anyone will hire you. They'll pay you nothing. You'll accept nothing. You know, it's one of those entry level things. So ideally, when you're working on one job, you're sort of aware of when the end is going to be so you can reach out to people before the job's done. Um, I spent a lot of years making Google Docs of people I'd met and and listing where I knew them from and what other people I'd ask that I would reach out to them and email them and say, um, I really admire your work. And maybe it was someone I'd never even met, but I found their information on LinkedIn or something. And I did that with, with um, when I was back then, Breaking Bad was the big, big show and I reached out to Skip McDonald and also Kelly Dixon, who are big editors. And they the surprising thing is that they did respond to me. I wasn't able to meet up with either of them, which just happens. You get a lot of rejection because people are busy. Um, but they, you know, but they did, you know, respond to me. And um, 
I, I, I just recommend doing that because especially when you're starting out, you have literally nothing to lose. Wow. Like the whole kind of meeting people and making like a Google doc, just describing like who they are. I would never have thought of that. That's so, wow. That's so practical, but like so cool. A little stalkery. But yeah. <laughs> a lot of people do it. Could I ask a question? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Well, I think the Google doc idea is super smart and I'm definitely going to start doing that now just because also my memory is like that of an 80 year old. Um, you talked about being outgoing and how that's come to an advantage for you to like make connections. Jackson and I have talked about this before about we're both pretty outgoing, but when it comes to like putting yourself out there and kind of like selling yourself a bit and what you're capable of is where we fall short. And also just being in so many different environments where you're going to interact with people who like you, with people who don't like you. How do you sell yourself well and, you know, network with others without feeling like you're being pretentious? And how do you stay true to yourself without, you know, letting these outside opinions affect you? I think that's a very important question because it's hard. It's harder today than it was when I was graduating from school than it ever has been, I think, because you have to have an online presence now. You have to sell yourself. People will find you on Instagram. It might seem like bragging, but people want to know your accomplishments because they're going to hire you based on them. Think of it more like a like a virtual resume because everything you have online now is a virtual resume. Resumes are almost, they're, they're, they're becoming obsolete as just as the days go on. My Instagram, I used to talk about a lot of personal stuff on my Instagram because really it was mostly my family and friends that were following me. But as soon as I started developing a professional following, it became more difficult for me to share as much personal stuff as I did. But then I still want to share stuff with my friends and family. So that does become difficult. I now have you know multiple Instagram accounts for different things because these are real tools. So there's definitely a balance between bragging too much about your accomplishments but i think it's a the threshold is a, probably a lot um lower than you would think is that the right word lower higher higher than you would think there's there's a lot more room for bragging on the internet because it's not bragging it's just simply putting out there the work that you've done i find it often to be the case where um men are more comfortable putting their progress out there in the world and women feel like they're bragging where it's the same thing, but there's judgment from women on themselves as to what they can put out. And so there's a lot of self-limiting beliefs that I had as a woman that I had to really, as I started becoming a business owner for myself, really push aside because it's a man's world out here too. And I think if 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 you're a, a female uh, assigned, a, a person who is assigned female at birth or you identify as a woman, you still might have a little bit harder of a route out there if you're limiting yourself. There's so much imposter syndrome happening. And so I think it's important for us all to look at each other and be like, we're all equals here and let's help each other because a rising tide lifts all boats. That was really well put. Thank you for that. Yeah. What's one piece of advice you wish you knew um, when you were moving out to California? Gosh. I wish I knew that people really like don't pronounce Spanish properly out here. And that's just how you, um, <laughs> I should have known Los Angeles. Um, anyway, um, no, I think 
what I what I really wish that I knew was that um, I'm way more powerful than I ever knew. Hollywood, for anyone out here, Hollywood makes you feel like an ant. You know, it makes you feel small. It makes you feel like you know nothing, especially if you're from the Midwest and don't have. I mean, it's it's hard to move here and realize that there's people who've lived here their entire lives who know and are friends with Maya Rudolph and can get into her movie. And those sorts of things are real. And, and um, it can get really discouraging to know it, whatever, if you move anywhere from the Midwest into a big city, there's a lot of culture shock that happens. And I think it doesn't matter what anyone could like, what advice people could tell me. It's truly, I guess the biggest advice I could say is that you're stronger than you think and it's gonna try to kill you. Hmm. And sometimes it's not worth it to stay because Hollywood is changing rapidly too. And you have to know when it's, when you need to hop off the wagon or you're gonna go into the, into the explosion, you know? Like I think people, from the Midwest especially are strong. And I think anyone can be strong if you know that you are strong. People aren't necessarily gonna come and welcome you with open arms, especially if you're really extra talented, then you're competition and be friends with people. Don't think of people as competition, but just know that some other people might feel that way. When things get tough, when you get fired, because it's not your fault, but something happened and whatever, or someone, some misunderstanding because politics are so crazy out here. <laughs> just keep going, you know, just keep going. If you want it, keep focused and the world's going to try to get you down, but you can get through it. How does balancing your personal life and your family life uh, with your career, how, how does that play out in your life? How, where have you found like the ability to balance those well and maybe some of the like things you've learned from hardships about like, oh, I need to be watching out for this. Work-life balance is, is very difficult. Um, joining the union certainly made my life um, both better and harder in, in two ways. I got better jobs. So my credits were more impressive. I made more money, but the jobs got harder and I worked more hours as well. So I was paid more. There was one job I regularly worked 80 to 90 hour weeks seven days on, one day off for about three or four months. You don't really get a lot of time to like recuperate. Plus you're working such long hours. You're basically living at work. And this is the reality of a lot of folks working in in Hollywood is that you work really, really long hours and you have to really care about what you're doing. So unfortunately, I haven't had the best track record of being able to balance family and life. I'll just be honest, I, I'm divorced. And so I won't say that that's 100% because of the work-life balance thing, but I, I could say I've learned some lessons that you do have to prioritize and things that are important to you. And if your work is the most important thing to you, then some other things fall by the wayside. I think it's, it's important to realize what is important and that um, everyone has different abilities and capabilities and resources in their lives too. I've really learned not to judge people because, you know, I, well, I don't I'm certainly not perfect, but I would say some some tips and tricks for balancing your your work life balance is to first of all realize that you can say no. People can't make their art without your contribution. So especially when you're starting out and you're not the person who's at the top of the totem pole, I think it's important to realize you can say no, and you will suffer consequences for those things. But some of those consequences will lead you to people who help you have better work life balance. 
If you set your boundaries, people will react. And oftentimes that means that some toxic people go out of your life. But standing up for yourself and saying, no, I deserve a credit here when I did all this work, even if it gets you fired, is still something that can really benefit your your career because you're aligning yourself with people who will give you credit when you're do it. But I'll say that I have lots of hobbies. And also I have hobbies that don't just make me money. I have hobbies that do. I'm a photographer as well. And that's really useful right now when I can't make money as an editor because there's strikes happening. So yeah, I have a side gig. Great. But do something that's not that. I love foraging. I, and luckily I live in California where it's freaking amazing to be outside most of the year. And so I'm, I like to cycle and I like to be outside as much as possible and not be in front of a screen. If your life isn't just work, which it's easy when you get up and move to a whole nother city and you don't have your family and friends around you, it's easy to just work. Don't do it. <laughs> Go out to eat, meet people, have fun, live your life. If you're happier, you're going to give better work to your employers too. Yeah, no, that's good. Uh, you mentioned hobbies. Uh, Lauren was kind of looking through your Instagram. So I'll let her sorry. <laughs> ask you a little bit about some of the things she she found. Just well, just fun stuff. Well, you were talking like in the beginning of this interview about how just anybody can find your Instagram, which I did. And I saw that you have like a whole Instagram dedicated toward like quails. Yeah, I raise quails in my back. I'm a gardener and... I loved, I um, wanted chickens, but they're, they're a, lot, a lot of work. And I, I live in LA and I have a small space. I'm very lucky to have an apartment with a yard that's my own. And I do, I do, I have, I raise quails. They're, they're cute. And I, um, I get two eggs a day. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask, what do you do with the eggs? Like, do you give them to friends? Cause I'm sure you have more than you know what to do with sometimes. Oh, I absolutely do. Um, and it takes like three quail eggs to equal the volume of like one chicken egg. So I cook with them, but I don't actually cook that that often, not with eggs so often. So I love having them and I actually like taking them as a shot in the morning. They're, you put like salt and some furikake. And so fun fact about quails, <laughs> <laughs> they, they have high internal temperatures. So it's so high that salmonella can't form. So they're perfectly safe to eat raw and um, they're really tasty too. Um, so I, I actually have a, a Burbank gardeners community that I'm a part of and I trade eggs for produce, for baked goods, for sourdough starter. Um, and I, I do give them away to people who want them. I'm always like someone, most people are actually kind of turned off by the thought of quail eggs, which I'm sort of surprised at. Um, I don't know, maybe it's just cause I was always a tomboy and I really like, I don't know, farm outdoor things, whatever. But I think um, it's awesome. So <laughs> Like I get, I guess get being grossed out by eggs, but um, these are these are like the best eggs, man. They're organic from my backyard. I feed my quails, bugs and and um, fruit and. But yeah, I do. I I really enjoy gardening and spending time with um, Harry, Hermione, and Luna. <laughs> I did not know their names. I didn't look that deeply, but that's amazing. I wow. You're yeah. That was amazing. Uh, People, people my age would, you know, they would come out and like camp out at the bookstore and like wait for the book to come out and it was a whole thing. And I just, I wasn't, um, 
I didn't. I didn't get to be a part of that culture. So I do like Harry Potter a lot, though, and I feel like they're really fun names. Um, <laughs> they just kind of fit. They just kind of stuck, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No. That's awesome. That's so cool. Nice. That's awesome. Um, I do have a couple questions that have just been ruminating as you and Jackson have been talking. As people who are in the Midwest and have lived here for quite some time now, and your experience being in the Midwest growing up, would you say it's really important to move to these larger cities like Los Angeles, New York for those, you know, types of jobs? Or do you think people could still live somewhere like here or maybe somewhere closer but still remote and get those positions that they have in mind within like the film industry? Yeah. If you'd asked me this question in 2019, I would have had a very different answer for you. But since the pandemic, I haven't worked a job that hasn't been at least partially work from home. So that said, I was able to live and work in Hollywood for almost almost 10 years before that. So I had a lot of connections that helped. I will say it's becoming more and more and more uh, accessible for anyone to work from anywhere on any job. And I'm currently on this show working with a post supervisor and online editor in Texas and a bunch of people in DC, someone in La Cañada, someone in Santa Monica, someone in, so there's people all over town and all over everywhere working on this particular project in different time zones. And it does throw a wrench in things, but it's totally doable. And I've worked on lots of projects where there's folks who live in Georgia or Austin. I will say there's still a huge bias against, especially if you're just starting out. It's different if you've lived and worked here and already have connections and then move away and leverage those connections and continue up with them. But I still think it is difficult to make those connections if you're not here in town, able to take them out for coffee. It's not impossible. And I think you just have to work a lot harder at it, but you could still definitely do it from the Midwest in a way that wasn't possible at all, just like even five years ago. How I learned a lot of my time was by shadowing, you know, people in person and working on jobs with people in the room. You get used to the politics of it all. You figure it out. There's a lot more nuance and time for questions. I'm finding it harder to mentor when I'm remote. So my assistant editor on this current job is fabulous. And I know him through a mentorship program that I'm a part of. But I found some of the restraints on the job a little bit harder for me to be able to mentor him and take the time to say, you know, here's here's this or that, or here's maybe a different way to think about it, or even so much as him talking to me about how I could be a better mentor. There have, just hasn't been time for those sorts of conversations because we're not in person and just able to be like, man, it's 4 p.m. and I'm just kind of like bored. I don't have much work to do. Let's just like talk for an hour about whatever. And so it's just harder to bond. Yes, it's totally possible. I still think it's it's really smart to at least attempt to move. And I will say it's good for character too. <laughs> Definitely good character development. Thank you for that. I think those are all my questions. Awesome. Well, yeah, thank you so much for your time and just your wisdom as well. Um, we really appreciate it. We'll definitely be listening back to this podcast ourselves and just kind of remembering some of the things that were discussed. 
Um, Thank you guys. Yeah. You both, you both seem super bright and motivated and um, I'm, I'm sure you guys will go super far and, and stay in touch because I'm curious to see where you end up. If you do end up coming to LA, please say hi. Thank awesome. you so much. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Out of Frame podcast. Today, you heard a conversation with TV and film editor Kaylee Colton. Tune in next time for another in-depth conversation with more film professionals to learn more about the industry and how you can get involved. Follow us on Instagram at Out of Frame Podcast and let us know what you thought about today's episode. Bye. Bye.